Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Acts 17, verse 18. Paul preaches to the men of Athens, the Jews in the synagogue, and the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers in the marketplace. Little does he know that he's also preaching to Americans who will hear his same words nearly 2,000 years later. Venture out into the marketplaces of America, into the common everyday life and daily conversations, and you will find a people who are also spending their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Between the newest TikTok dance craze, or the latest conspiracy theory, or the juiciest gossip about Miss Betty down the street, oh, didn't you know? Americans find a lot of pleasure in hearing or telling something new. When I was in middle school, I had a t-shirt that summarized American life perfectly. It was a NASCAR t-shirt, but more importantly, it was a Jeff Gordon shirt. I was a big Jeff Gordon fan. There was just something about that brightly colored rainbow number 24 DuPont Chevrolet that sucked me in. I had the duffel bag, I had the winter coat, the poster on my wall, the life-size cutout poster of Jeff Gordon, and then my favorite shirt, which had a Dale Earnhardt number three logo on the top and Jeff Gordon's number 24 logo on the bottom, and it said, out with the old, in with the new. My dad hated it. But that's only because he's more of an old school kind of guy. For him, you never replace the old. The old was the best. When he would see my out with the old, in with the new t-shirt, he would say, out with the new, stay with the old, Jesse. He was like that about everything. When I bought my brand new 2008 Toyota Camry, he still preferred his 1993 Camry with over 260,000 miles. When I grew my hair out long over my ears in high school, he had me cut it short like when I wore it when I was six. When I preferred a point system, he preferred a leather belt. And so it is with all Americans. Some cannot get enough of the new, and some cannot get past the past. We all get stuck, one way or another. Paul addresses these very kinds of people in Acts 17. The Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, they're both obsessed with new things. The Epicureans were all about finding happiness or pleasure of the body through new and exciting ways. And Stoics, they were all about finding pleasure too, but of the mind through new and exciting teachings. See, both were obsessed with new things that were told they only spent their time telling or hearing something new. If it was old, well, out with the old, 
in with the new. And then you had the Jews in the synagogue, who could not get past the past. New teaching was not only abhorrent, it was blasphemy. Out with the new, stay with the old, Paul. They weren't just sticks in the mud. These were murderous zealots who wouldn't even have to think twice about having you stoned to death for any sort of new teaching. Paul would know. So does Stephen, the man whom Paul approved of having killed for preaching something new, Jesus and his resurrection. But oh, now so much has changed. Isn't it fascinating that St. Paul is the one who's now preaching this sermon on old and new things? St. Paul. You could not get any more old school than him. A Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. He was zealous for the ways of his fathers. He breathed threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord who were preaching this new teaching of Jesus and his resurrection. He ravaged the church and would enter house after house to drag off men and women, anyone whom he could find, who were sucked up in this out with the old, in with the new way of thinking, to prison. But now, here stands a new Paul, baptized into Christ Jesus a new creation, proclaiming Jesus, the one whom he used to persecute, and his glorious resurrection to a crowd of people that were still stuck in the past, and also who were stuck in the, in the new. How humbling of an experience for this man to preach this sermon. Paul knows very well how one can get stuck on the past, that you fail to see what God is doing new. How you foam and seethe with anger over the people who are so obsessed with the new. They just don't get it, do they? He knows what it's like to see them as the enemy who must be ignored or spurned or even executed. He put those new agers to death himself. But then God made Paul new himself. And he saw that the old had passed away and the new had come. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Out with the old, in with the new. And the Jews, they needed to hear this message that the new had come. But they weren't the only ones in the crowd that day. They were also Epicurean and Stoic philosophers and Americans who loved to get stuck on the new, who can become obsessed with only new things, so much so that they fail to see what God has done in the past is still true today. That unchartered territory, the untrodden ground upon which our feet run, there's something both exhilarating and terrifying in the ever-changing waters of the new and the improved that one quickly forgets about what is true. The old truths that have always been, 
that God is the one who made the world and everything in it, that God himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, in him we live and move and have our being, that the Lord is the one who has delivered us from all of our enemies, and he does not need anything from us, nor is he served by human hands. What a frustrating audience for Paul. Some who were stuck in the past, and some who were stuck in the new. What do you even say to a people who get stuck in their ways? They're old dull ways, or their new and exciting ways. Paul knew them both well. And so he preaches the only thing he's got, Jesus, and the glory of his resurrection and about the age to come, the future. Bede the Venerable, a church father from the 7th century who was put in a monastery at the age of seven and raised by Benedictine monks and given a classical education, considered the smartest man in his time period, put it this way. The Epicureans, following the stupidity of their teacher, they put happiness in the pleasure of the body alone. And while the Stoics, they placed it solely in the virtue of the mind. Although they disagreed with one another, they were united in opposing this strange Apostle Paul, who taught one ought to be happy, but that this would never be achieved in the present time or by human power, but only by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, in the glory of the resurrection in the age to come. For Paul, he was no longer stuck in the past, And he's not caught up in the new. He proclaims what God will do in the future, but he doesn't get stuck there either. He declares in his sermon, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, He has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Past, present, future. It's all there for Paul, and it's all there for you. But Paul won't let you get stuck in any one of them. God is over them all. For God has fixed a day. It's been done in the past, a day when he will It's coming in the future. Judge the world, so you must now, today, repent. And why is all this so? Because a man who died lives, and he's coming again. Jesus, who was, who is, who is to come. So repent. The dead man lives. Christ Jesus, our Lord, He will come to judge the world. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again, past, present, and future. Out with them all. In with them all. It doesn't matter. The Lord is over them all. And so the Lord reigns over your past, including all the parts you try to run and hide from. 
He reigns over you now in this new present reality in your baptism, including all that terrifies you or excites you. And he will reign over you when he comes again to judge the living and the dead. What's our assurance? That all of this is true, and not some wish of a babbling fool. Our assurance is simply this. Christ has been raised from the dead. That is your assurance right now. And that has been your assurance all the days of your life. And it will be your assurance when our Lord comes again. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.